0: Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Good to be with you. Uh, we do have visitors. We we welcome you. We hope that uh, you're finding this uh, worship as uplifting and encouraging as we study and uh, sing and pray together. Uh, one of the things that we're doing throughout this year is thinking about the promises that God has given to us, uh, and really after last year and all that we've been through. Uh, I really just wanted to encourage and build up and strengthen all the members that are here to remind us of the wonderful promises that we have uh, as we go through whatever this year might hold. Uh, So far, we've talked about God's promise to be merciful toward us, His promise to give us joy, His promise to give us peace. Uh, And this morning, we're going to talk about the promise for healing this is an interesting uh, topic to discuss or to think about. Uh, As we go throughout the Bible, you might wonder, why in the world did you choose healing to be one of the things that are on the list? Well, it makes sense with 2021, right? I mean, all the sickness and everything that's going around. Um, But we didn't really have that many people who were that sick whenever I made this list. And since that point, we have had multiple people who have had all kinds of suffering and struggling and cancer and and treatments and and a number of things going on. Um, And I'm really thankful that I put this in the schedule in this place because this was really encouraging for me to study, and I hope it will be for you as well as we study it together and talk about this promise. Uh, Whenever you think about healing, usually people are in kind of one of two camps. You've got one camp that says if you've got enough faith... Whenever you pray to God, he will certainly heal everything that you ask him to heal. And then the other camp says, well, God's going to do whatever his will is, Uh, and you just need to pray, but know that God's will will be done. And... As we think about the two different camps that are typically, you know, we, we might reside in, I hope we can see that there's some things about both camps that are not really lining up perfectly with what we see in scripture, what we see in real life. Uh, and and I hope that we, as we study this together, we'll come to a more perfect understanding. I'm not, I'm not an expert in this, but hopefully we'll come to a better understanding of the things that we study. Um As we come to James chapter 5, which is what Taylor uh, just did a great job reading for us, uh, we're kind of asking ourselves the question maybe you are, I I do every time I read that text, what kind of healing is he talking about? You know, in James chapter 5, he just lays out this promise for us that if we go to God in prayer, there will be healing. Uh, those who are sick will be healed. Uh, they'll be raised up. The Lord will raise him up if we go to God in prayer for the person. It tells us the elders are supposed to go and anoint uh, anoint oil on the head of the person, lay hands on them, and God will raise them up. And then he also says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Uh, there's There's... Obviously, a promise in this text that God will heal. But as we read through this, those of us especially who are on the side of uh, you know, God's will will be done, which is maybe more so what I lean toward, uh, are thinking, well, wait a second, what kind of healing is he talking about here? Notice the confession of sins that's in here. And and notice also verse 19 and 20, if anyone wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. There's kind of a picture of, well, here's somebody who is lost and they are able to be maybe spiritually healed. And so what kind of healing is James talking about? Is he talking about literal, physical sickness and and suffering in this life? Or is he just talking about spiritual sickness? And sin, uh, that, that is the major spiritual sickness we all go through. Um, well, I, th- I think it's obvious he's talking about the spiritual in the sense of 19 and 20, but what about the physical? Think about it for a second. Verse 13: Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. We wouldn't just assume that's spiritual suffering, but. It's obvious, I think, that we would assume that is physical, literal suffering that we're going through. And, and that idea of being sick is typically about physical sickness. And the idea of laying hands on is something in the New Testament that is like a powerful miracle working that was done to heal the sick uh, in the New Testament. And, and another thing that we see that I really want us to think about is Elijah. Why bring up Elijah? If this is just about spiritual sickness, why bring up Elijah and the power that God gave to Elijah whenever he prayed that it would not rain? That God actually brought about a literal stoppage of all rain because a man, a human like us, prayed to God asking God to stop the rain. You see in this something that's that's miraculous, that's phenomenal. And why is James bringing this up? Because he says he was a man like us. And he prayed. And God did something phenomenal. God did something miraculous, we might say. So why does he say this? Why does James promise that God would heal and forgive those we pray for if we pray with faith. I mean, that's, that's really what we get to. As we study this and think about this, there is something that James is saying in this text that is promising us if we will go to God in prayer with complete faith and trust in God, then our, our faith, our prayer has power to do something that is beyond understanding. It's essentially what James is trying to do. To tell us, why does he make this bold promise? Well, if you study the letter of James, remember this is just a, a text found in a New Testament letter written by an, a, a disciple, a prophet. Uh, James is the brother of Jesus to a group of Christians. What we find is that this is a letter written to Christians who have superficial faith. Okay? Okay. These are men and women who are very double-minded. They say they believe, but then everything about their life reveals that they don't truly believe what God has said. They have faith, but they don't have works that show they really have faith. So that that really helps us a little bit. What is this text promising uh, healing about? Well, James is trying to make it very clear that they must believe that God will act in response to their prayers. They are, they're, they're just half-heartedly praying to God for healing and not believing that God will do anything in response because their faith isn't sincere, it isn't deep, it's not rooted. So, James is trying to help them understand. God can And God will hear their prayers and respond with healing. He wants that to be without a shadow of a doubt in their mind. Help them understand when they pray to God, they don't need to doubt God, that God would heal that person or that God can heal that person. They need to pray with complete trust and and complete belief that God will heal That person. And this is the way James is instructing them to pray. Have we ever struggled to pray like this? How many times do we pray for someone we love who's suffering? How many times do we pray for ourselves as we're suffering? And how many times do we doubt? In this, James is really making it to where God has to respond to their prayer. Because James is promising it. And he is inspired as he's writing these words. And he's promising God will heal this, this man that you're praying for who is sick. Now, this is not a letter written to the church here at Sarah Land. Can we draw an application from that? Well, maybe we can. But let's let's consider a lot of other texts. And... and and be cautious about that, right? There's a lot of people. I mean, if I, you know, I'm not saying, all right, if you're sick, come up here. I'm, I'm going to hit you in the head. And we're all going to believe that at that point you're healed. And then if you have enough faith, you'll certainly be healed. I'm not going to do that, right? That's what a lot of televangelists do. But what is, is this really saying that God will heal all of us if we pray? Like absolutely, without a doubt, for sure, when we pray, this will always happen. And that every time we've prayed in the past and God has not healed the person, we asked him to pray to to heal, we lack faith. Is that what this is saying? First, I'd like for us to consider a number of Old Testament passages that tell us about God's desire to heal us. Really, our sickness, uh, all of our suffering, everything that we experience, our death in this life, all goes back to the very beginning of the Bible when we sinned and fell short of God's glory. Uh, Adam ate of that tree and then experienced the the curse. And every generation since has been dealing with that curse. And that's why sickness and death and all this is here. But what's interesting is at the end of the Old Testament, God makes one final promise right before the New Testament comes. In Malachi chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, God promises that the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and those who uh, fear God's name will go out leaping like calves from the stall, and they will tread down the wicked. For they will be ashes under the sole of your feet on the day when I act, declares the Lord. At the very end of the Old Testament, what do we have? We have a promise that God will make the sun of righteousness rise with healing in its wings. There's this picture of healing. If you go throughout the Old Testament, you see over and over again a picture of healing. And right before the New Testament comes, here's a picture of healing. Uh, like under the wings, he's going to shelter and heal those who are his people. There's a number of other texts. I think one of the most notable is Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35. If you want to turn over there, you can turn over there. I didn't put the text on the screen. I'm sorry for that. But we're going to read the first 10 verses of Isaiah 35 and see the number of promises that are being made there. Are, it's just full of healing and promises of healing. Isaiah 35, verse 1, beginning, says, "...the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice and blossom with crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees." Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with the recompense of God. He will come and save you, and the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for water's... Break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall, they shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall attain gladness and joy and sorrow, and sighing shall flee away. No, it's a lot to take in, a lot of words there. We actually read this whenever we talked about God's promise for joy, a little bit of it. But one of the things you see throughout this is healing. God promises to heal the land uh, he promises that there's going to be you know, fruitful growth in the land and it's all going to be restored. He promises emotional healing. Did you notice that? He's, he talks about strength in the hands that are weak and the feeble knees. And he talks about the anxieties. And he says God's going to take those away, take the, you know, get rid of those anxieties. And then he talks about a number of physical ailments, blindness, death, mute, all those things are going to go away. And then he talks about spiritual suffering. He says it's going to be a way of holiness that even the fool will not go astray from. I like that. Uh, there's, a, there's a sense of in which this whole text is all about God healing whenever the Messiah comes. There's going to be this overall healing that's going to take effect, that's going to happen. When the Messiah comes. In Isaiah 61, uh, we see another promise. Really, Isaiah is full of the idea of sickness and healing over and over again, but I didn't want to just read a bunch of text to you this morning. But this is an interesting text because Jesus actually reads this text and says it about himself. So it's very obvious that it's a reference to what Jesus was going to bring. He says, the spirit of the Lord God in Isaiah 61 verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins and they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Notice again, this is the the last one we're going to go through, but notice again, Healing. The poor are going to be healed. Uh, Their their circumstance is going to be healed. The brokenhearted are going to be healed. (laughs) There's going to be healing that's going to go on that is, is, is helping the situations of mankind and all the different types of sufferings that they're going through, the captivity, the imprisonment, all of that he has come to heal and to make right. All of this really just sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? I mean, it's just too good to be true. In the Old Testament, God says he's going to take care of everybody and he's going to heal everybody because the Messiah is going to come. How amazing is that? What an amazing promise that God has. And what we see in this is that God wants to heal us. He doesn't want us to just suffer. He doesn't desire for us to suffer. He wants there to be healing. He doesn't want anybody to be poor and downtrodden and brokenhearted. He is working to heal, to restore. And that's what the Messiah coming is all about. And when Jesus shows up, what do we see? We see him healing. We studied Matthew 8 and we started to see a number of miracles and Jesus healing every disease and every sickness that came. And Matthew told us this was to fulfill Isaiah 53. Oh, here's another Isaiah text. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. There's another text very clearly about the Messiah. And in the midst of it, what does it say? The Messiah is going to take our diseases and bore, bear our illnesses, our, our sicknesses, physical diseases. If you look at Jesus' life, we're constantly being healed by Jesus. Constantly. There was not a single sickness that Jesus could not heal. You go forward, you see in Matthew 11, John the Baptist saying, Are you really the Messiah? And Jesus' response to prove that he's the Messiah is not to say, yeah, you know, of course, um, I'm fulfilling all these scriptures, but he, he just points to one scripture. The poor have good news preached to them. Tell, tell John, the poor have good news preached to them. The blind see, the lame leap, you know, everything's going well uh, in accordance with scripture. I'm healing the land. I'm healing everybody's situation. <clears throat> all the circumstances are being healed with the gospel message. If you're poor and you hear the message of Jesus, that you can be rich in the kingdom of God, in your humility and in your service of others, that's good news. That's healing news. But as we read that text particularly, Matthew 11, and we read about John the Baptist, what we learn is John is in prison. And if you remember those Old Testament texts, they said that those who are in captivity and those who are in prison will be set free. So it makes sense for John to sit here and say, wait a second, are you the Messiah or not? I'm supposed to be set free. If you're the Messiah, why haven't you set me free yet? (laughs) You quoted Isaiah 61. You said, I've come to set the captive free. We go throughout the rest of the New Testament. We notice Peter is set free from prison. Uh, he is able to just walk right out those prison bars and, and just walk right into the, the place where all the Christians were meeting. But Paul wasn't. And as we start thinking about Jesus' healing, you know, maybe our tendency is to think, well, okay, so the Messiah came to bring healing but it must not be for us. That was just for a brief period of time, just giving us a little dose of what God is able to do. And, and you know, but he's not going to do that for us. I mean, obviously, we killed the Messiah now. Why would he care about us or try to stop our suffering? I mean... He doesn't really want to heal us. I mean, the Old Testament prophecies, the promises of healing, that was there when Jesus was here, and now he's gone, and, and now those promises are all gone. There's no hope that God will ever heal us, right? Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse six, it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. He cares for you. Go back to Ephesians chapter 3. We just studied this last Sunday night. And Melvin came and and talked to me a little bit about it and pointed out something that I completely didn't really talk about for sake of time, but something that needed to be talked about. In Ephesians chapter 3... that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. A picture again, God cares for you. God loves you, and Paul wants us to understand that love and to have that love inside of us that transforms us, to be strengthened by the love of Christ. Look at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Do we know that there's a power at work within us? Do we know that there's a power at work within us that is, uh, that is able to approach the throne of God and ask God for something that is more than we even ask or think. That we're able to go to God and He's able to do more than we can ever ask or think. He loves us. He cares for us and we have the opportunity to go before him in prayer and ask him to do for us something that's beyond what we ask, what we can even think of asking. He can do something beyond all that we can even ask. He can do something exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we even ask. Do we really believe that in our hearts? God can heal us physically emotionally, when we pray for him to do that. He cares for us. He loves us. He does not want us to suffer. He sent his son to heal us of all suffering. We need to believe that. But also in the New Testament we read that there are occasions in which God chooses not to heal. The example we have is of Paul, who was given great blessings in his life, like we are given great blessings, except even more so, he was able to witness and see kind of a heavenly scene. And he's called up to the third heavens the way that he puts it. But he was also given a thorn in his flesh. And he prays to God three times to take away that thorn in the flesh. And do you know what God tells him in Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse seven? No. But God, you can heal me. You're able, I know you can. No. And Paul understands why. He says, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that he had received, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a, me- a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Did you notice the repeated phrase? To keep me from being conceited. God is working in a way that's much bigger than the physical and the emotional suffering that we see. and We get frustrated because we don't understand what he's doing or how he's doing it. And we ask God for something and we know he can and we believe he will. And he may tell us no. We need to understand that he's like this loving father who has... A child who is an abscess or something that has to be removed and the whole procedure is going to be painful and he's just going to hug us and hold us down and he's going to let us go through that pain and that suffering because it's for our good. He's more interested in the, the spiritual healing than he is the physical and the emotional. But don't hear me wrong. He's interested in the physical and the emotional healing. When we pray to God, we must pray understanding and knowing He's this good Father who doesn't want us to suffer. If I had to hold down my child while they're going through something extremely painful, I would be crying with them. And this is the way God feels toward us. When you go through suffering, when you go through trial, understand God is right there with you, feeling the pain and the suffering that you're going through, wishing it could just stop. But we have sickness and we have disease that's not physical or emotional. It's spiritual. Paul's disease was conceit. That could be our disease. Pride. Arrogance. We could have other diseases. Our world is full of diseases and disorders. ...that are spiritual. Uh, Sexual immorality is a disease. Idolatry is a disease. Our hearts are corrupted when we're full of anger... ...and malice and vengeance. We need the great physician... ...to do work on our hearts. And sometimes the suffering that we go through is intended to be that surgery that helps our hearts find treatment. Because sin is causing much more destruction than the physical things that we endure. God provides for us the ultimate spiritual healing we need through the blood of Christ. (laughs) So don't think that every, every single time you suffer it's because, you know... You need to do this in order for your sins to be forgiven. That's not it at all. Okay? Completely separate that from what we're talking about. But it may be that as we go through suffering and trials, we're supposed to learn some very valuable lessons that strengthen us, that bring about greater endurance and resolve, and faithfulness, and then as a result, we have a greater hope of God. We have rewards in heaven if we remain faithful, if we show faith in the trial. And we have the ultimate promise of healing after this life is over. I don't think James is promising us that every single prayer will always result in perfect healing, Every time, if we really believe, if that were the case, we'd have some 2,000-year-old Christians right now. (laughs) That is not what we have. But the point is that God wants to heal. And we need to be completely convinced that He does and that He will heal us in the end. Revelation 22 says, Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Whatever suffering we go through is just this little bitty spot on this long timeline of eternity. And in a hundred years, we're not even going to think about these things. If we remain faithful and true, God will provide the healing that's needed. And if we have loved ones who are suffering right now and going through trials and tribulations and, and dealing with it, there's healing ahead. I don't know when, but it's coming. Believe it. And there's, there may be healing immediately. Believe it. God can and is is willing to completely heal whoever it is like that. We've heard it. Doctors having no explanation for the cancer disappearing or whatever it is. You know God can do that. Believe it. He may not, but he wants to. Believe it. This is the God that we serve a God that loves us, a God that doesn't want sickness or death in our lives. He didn't want it from the beginning, but he allowed it so that we would learn this life is temporary and all the physical and emotional suffering we go through is trying to encourage us to be healed spiritually, to become what God has created us to be. His children, uh, images, image bearers of him who have faith and trust in him all along the way. Are you putting your faith and trust in God this morning? You can submit to him and you can find the healing of your soul through the blood of Jesus that will cleanse all of your sins and that will constantly be a place you can go to to find mercy and grace. You'll have a relationship with a loving father who wants to take care of you and wants to provide for you every step of the way. And if there's anything that we can do to help you, in your journey as, as you are maybe struggling, maybe you've become a Christian and you're, you're struggling, and we, we can help you. We want to help you. Let us help you. Please come as we stand and as we sing.